We thank you for listening to the weekly sermon of First United Methodist Church, Missouri City, Texas. We're a church that's making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. For more information about the church and its ministries or how we can pray for you, visit us on the web at fumcmc.org. If you desire to make a quick contribution in support of our ministries, you can text to give. Simply text the amount you want to give to 281-369-4870 and follow the instructions. And now, as you listen, we hope that you find this podcast meaningful and transformational in your journey of faith. So the story, oh, hey. So the story goes something like this. These uh, two guys are out, are out hunting um, in the middle of the woods and, and all is going fine. And then all of a sudden, one of those guys, he just drops to the ground. He is out. And his friend notices that the guy's not breathing and his eyes seem to be a little bit glazed over. So his friend panics, gets out his cell phone, calls 911 and yells to the operator, oh my gosh, I think my friend is dead. What am I going to do? And the operator, being a 911 operator, calms him down and says, calm down. Let's first make sure he's dead. (laughs) So there's a silence and then a gunshot And the guy gets back on the phone and says, okay, now what? (laughs) Now, it's gotten groans all morning. But just so you know, in 2002, on an online poll, that was the funniest joke of all time. (laughs) Google it if you don't believe. Some of you doubting me. I can't make that one up. And while the joke is less than funny... I want to be honest, I understand the question that the, that the hunter asks. Now what? And the reason why I understand that is it seems like every year around this time, I find myself asking the same question. Now what? Now that Christmas is over, now what? What's next? Now that the tree is gone, the lights are gone, the decorations are pulled away, now what? The baby's been born, the magi have come, gifts have been returned, resolutions have been broken, now what? It's the question I need an answer to because I don't know about you, but my world doesn't feel a whole lot different than it did December 20th. Come back to the world, the same old problems with the same old people and the same old issues, the same old anxieties, the same old fears, all of it. Nothing seemed to change, although we just sang about a child being born. We just heard angels say, I have good news of a great joy. Now what? Barbara, who I love, she gets frustrated with me sometimes because I don't preach the lectionary. Barbara is is what's known as a lectionary preacher. There was a time in my non-creative days 
that I was a lectionary preacher. Hey, she gives me grief all the time about not doing a lectionary. For those of you who don't know, lectionary is a three-year cycle. Uh, it covers about 80% of the Bible if you preach the cycle. And it's really good. And I preached it for probably 15, 18 years. And, and I, I, it was good for me to do that. And, but I decided since um, my whole series, I had everything planned out to Easter, and it all got kind of bumped and thrown away over Lent, but we'll talk about that later. So I decided, well, today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make Barbara happy. I'm going to preach the lectionary. Right? And, and while I hate to admit it to Barbara, I'm glad I am. Because when I read the lectionary, which I think Sean read, right? And when I read the lectionary text, the gospel out of, uh, of Matthew, that, that third chapter, I, I get the sense that I'm not alone in thinking, now what? Because when you read the Matthew text, you, got, you get the idea, at least I do, that the people who developed the lectionary struggled with the same thing I'm struggling with. Christmas is over, epiphany has come, decorations are down. Now what? And so we read the story of the baptism of Jesus found in Matthew. Now you have to understand, the, 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 the baptism is found in the Gospels. And each gospel writer who records it has kind of their own little slant, own little spin on it. But I love Matthews. See, because in Matthews, you know, the birth happens, uh, the, 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 the Magi come, uh, Jesus and, and Joseph and Mary go to Egypt, they come back, and then immediately there's no childhood, there's no 12-year-old in the temple, there's no understanding. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up at the wilderness. And there at the wilderness is this guy who we know to be John the Baptist, and he dresses in funny um, camel hair. He eats wild locusts with honey, and he preaches about repentance and going to hell in the middle of nowhere. And people come to hear that again and again and again. And he baptizes people in the Jordan River. Now, what we have to understand, baptism for John was an everyday event. Because John was raised by a group of people called the Essenes, and the Essenes uh, practiced baptism every day. They would stand there, they'd have water poured over their head. It was a cleansing ritual. And so that's how Jesus was probably baptized. What I love about Matthew's gospel is there's this little argument that happens between Jesus and, and John about who's supposed to baptize who. Well, John finally gives in, baptized Jesus. Jesus comes out of the water, which is not really proper Greek, but that's okay. Comes out of the water, and we are told in Matthew's gospel that the heavens open and a voice says, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And that's the baptism of Jesus in Matthew. Now, that is significantly different than like in Mark's gospel. In Mark's gospel, there's no birth, there's no wise men, there's nothing. Jesus just appears. He's out in the wilderness. Heavens open up and get this difference. Now, some of you are going to shrug your shoulders and say, come on, really? And that's no big deal. But here it is. When the heavens open and the voice speaks, you know what? You know what in Mark's gospel, what God says? And Matthew says, this is my son. In Mark's gospel, he says it, you are my son. That doesn't seem that major, right? Except this. In Mark's gospel, only Jesus heard those words. But in Matthew's gospel, 
everyone who gathered at the river that day heard the voice. And God proclaimed to the community that this is my son. And the reason why that's so important is because Matthew was a Jewish man writing to a Jewish audience. And in the world of, of in, the, in the Jewish world, community was most important. It wasn't about Jenny. It wasn't about the Honda. It was the community. And they understood that if one suffers, all suffered. If one rejoiced, all rejoice. Community was everything for the Jewish mind. And so what Matthew so brilliantly did is he involved the entire community into the baptism of Jesus. And the reason why that's so important, because in the Jewish world, God was absolutely unapproachable. And when God showed up, there was earthquakes, there was thunder, there was fire, there was smoke. But here, God shows up, and there's none of that. There's just the voice. And the voice says, this, this is my son. And for probably one of the first times in the Jewish mind, they understood that in ways they can't explain God was in the very midst of them. Emmanuel became a reality. God with us. And then if you spend the rest of the time reading Matthew's gospel, you get the sense this kind of was the message Jesus wanted to send. Jesus wanted to teach the people, remind the people, that not only was he beloved by God, but that they were beloved by God that they were beloved children, sons and daughters of God, the one who created all, the one who is and was and would be. That one, the Alpha and the Omega, that God. And they were loved, beloved children of that. So maybe, just maybe, on this side of Christmas, after the uh, baby's born, the magi come, the decorations are put away, the New Year resolutions are broken, the gifts are returned. Maybe the now what? Maybe what the lectionary people had in mind, Barbara, is that we are reminded that we are beloved children of God. That you, and you, and you, and you are beloved children of God. And if you're here when we do baptisms, you pretty much know that's what I believe baptism is about. In the United Methodist Church, we don't baptize again and again and again. We baptize once. Because in baptism, God claims you. God publicly says, this is my child, so that the whole community hears. And I don't know about you, but man, there are days when deep down in my heart and soul, I need to hear that I am loved and I am claimed and that I am a beloved child of God. Now, it took me a while to figure out what those words really meant. 
See, because I used to get it wrong. I, 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 I always, for the longest time, I sold baptism short. What I, what, I, what I used to say is that baptism was when God affirms you, right? Where God gives you words of affirmation. Where God says, you're okay and I love you. And, and that's great. It really is. And there are, my number one love language is by far is words of affirmation. And I think everyone has that as a love language, whether they want to admit it or not, because let's just be honest, we like hearing that we are loved. We like hearing that we are appreciated. We like knowing that someone thinks we're okay, right? I mean, we like that. It's why we post things on Facebook and we get mad if no one likes our post. Right? It's, like we, it's why we like to brag how many friends we have, followers we have, fans we have, whatever they're called. Because we want to feel affirmed. It makes us feel good about who we are. But what I've learned is I can feel good with words of affirmation all I want. But it doesn't really fix my hurt. In fact, there was a theologian, a guy named um, Pascal, who said this. Do we have that quote? Can I get it up? There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each of us, which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the creator. That's brilliant. Because I don't know about you, but man, there are days where that God-shaped vacuum just rears its head, and I just think, there is this, you can tell me all day I'm good, but there's this ache, there's this hurt, there's this wound, there's this longing, this vacuum, this hole, whatever you want to call it. And that's when I finally begin to understand that baptism is something different. You see, we may crave affirmation, but what we need is acceptance. See, what we need to know is that no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter how, mess, how many flaws we have or don't have, whether or not we can put black lids on black coffee cups, whether we can keep our car clean or not, whether we've gone that way when we should have gone that way, whether we struggle with the same sin day after day after day, whether we feel like no one even cares, no matter, no matter what the world wants us to believe, what we need is for the creator of the universe, the one who spoke everything into existence, to say, you're accepted just the way you are. Now, he doesn't want us to stay the way we are. The idea is that we grow more and more and be more and more like him, but when we have those days where we're not anything like him, baptism reminds us that we are accepted with all our warts, our flaws, our mess-ups. You, you are accepted. Now, now, when I say accepting, uh, being accepted, I'm not talking about that 
wanting to fit in. Remember those days when you wanted to fit in? None of you do that now, right? You, you don't care about fitting in the right group, wearing the right clothes, driving the right car, living in the right neighborhood. None of us worry about that anymore. But when we were younger, we did. I'm not talking about that. See, because when we're talking about that kind of acceptance, we're talking about uh, changing ourselves so that others will, will like us, right? So others will affirm us. So others will let us be part of their cool group. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about acceptance that says you are valued, you are loved just the way you are. And what happens in baptism is you are accepted. Not merely affirmed, accepted. And the only thing that will really feel that, feel that God shaped vacuum is owning that we are accepted. We are loved. We are affirmed, but we are included into the community, into the family of God. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to make some of you highly uncomfortable. And I would say I'm sorry, but I'm really not. Because I think it's healthy. Sometimes you just have to step out of your little comfort zone. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand. Go ahead. Now, don't get all sweaty, nervous. Uh, some of you are already like looking for the door. Can I bolt? No bolting. Here's what I do. And hopefully you know the people who you're standing next to. And if you're standing next to your parents or your kids, I am so sorry because this gets even more awkward for that, right? If you don't know the person you're standing next to, make sure before you do any of this, you introduce yourself. Otherwise, it's really weird, okay? So here's what I want you to do because I believe acceptance. I believe all of this happens in community because you know you've been here, community is everything. We are a community with all our flaws, with all our mess up, and I'm not, we're, we're family. This is who we are. So here's what I want you to do. In this community, I want you to, to, I want you to look at each other in a second, and, and I want you to just remind each other that you are a beloved child of God. That's all you have to say. Just look them, but look them in the eye. You know, I hate when I go for communion and the person who serves communion doesn't look me in the eye. Look them in the eye. You are a beloved child of God. Watch, watch how easy this is. Jill, this is easy because she, she knows this and she's reading the sermon as I preach it. You are a beloved child of God and in you, God is pleased. It's painless. Take a moment and do that. Just a moment. Take a moment. Okay, go ahead. Um, if you didn't get enough acceptance, we'll let you do some more later. Have a seat. So um, this is... This, this sermon is, go ahead, have a seat. Go ahead. Jenny, make sure you find Doug and tell him, because right now he's feeling hurt. Um, okay, so this is Make Barbara Happy Day, right? 
when, when I know, it's really a good day. Whenever you mention baptism to Barbara, she loves to tell this story, and I'm assuming it's true. Because if it's on the internet, it's true. If Barbara says it, it's true, right? <laughs> Same thing. And, and so Barbara tells this story, and it's beautiful. And I'm so thankful that she told it to me because I, I remind myself of this now. Story goes that when Martin Luther was having a really bad day, when he felt unloved and unlovable, when he was facing uh, situations where the world seemed to go against him, when nothing seemed to be going right, he would, he would get some water, right? And, and Luther, according to the story, would dip his hand in the water and he would make the sign of the cross on his forehead and he would say this, remember Martin, you are baptized. That's all. And he would be reminded that no matter what was going on in his life at that moment, that he was a beloved child of God. And maybe on this side of Christmas, when we're facing the same old problems and life just doesn't seem to be going right and and we don't know where to turn, we don't know what to do, and, and the fears and the anxiety and the loneliness and all of that seem to overwhelm us, maybe reminding ourselves, remember, Marty, you were baptized. Remember reminding ourselves that we are children of God. Maybe that's the now what. So here's what you're invited to do, and you don't have to. I think you should, but you don't have to. We have stations just kind of set up. It's just, just, all we want you to do is go find a station and do it any way you want. You can dip your finger and make the sign of the cross if you want. Remember, Jill, you were baptized. Remember, Gary, you were baptized. Whatever, however you want to. But take this moment to remember. Because really, no matter what side of Christmas you're on, the angel still says, I have good news of a great joy. For you, our beloved child of God, that's the good news. So won't you come and won't you remember? And now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, give you peace both now and forever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit go from this place. And may the peace and the love and the grace of God go with you. And may you know May you remember, may you never forget that there is nothing you can do, nothing that will ever make God love you less. Because when God sees us, he doesn't see the mistakes that we make. He simply says, wow, you're nothing but the best of the best of the best. And can you imagine for just a moment what your day might be like if you lived it believing that? 
I think you'd have a good day.